Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be back here with you this week, serving up conversations about personal and spiritual growth for the recovering insecure attachment type. <clears throat> my uh, my voice is just slightly congested from a week away at Burning Man, which I'll talk about in just uh, just a little bit in my intro. But I am so happy to be back here with you this week. And this week's guest is phenomenal. Her name is Marky. She is an astrologer and a yoga teacher and an oracle card reader and retreat leader. We have a blast. We both have some placements in Leo, which really aligned very well, which we go into during the conversation. And we talk a lot about astrology for insecure attachment types. So common issues that insecure attachment types um, are working through, like codependency and trust and things like that. Big themes um, for all insecure attachment types. It's a phenomenal conversation. I just had a blast talking with her. I could have gone on and on and on and on forever. She's so funny. She's so knowledgeable. Yeah, we just we took the conversation in so many different directions. It's it's really, really fun. So before we get into the episode, as always, I have this week's check-in. And this week I am just coming back. I'm fresh off the heels of uh going to Burning Man. I um went when I was 34 to 35 weeks pregnant. And I, you know, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I've been before many times and I definitely took precautions to go during the pregnancy. And I made sure that I was really taking care of myself the entire time and going to bed early, resting, not overdoing anything, listening to my body, um, eating three meals a day. <laughs> That's a big one out there. Hydrating, doing the electrolytes, all the things. And I, I was really worried that I was going to experience FOMO when I was there because FOMO is a big thing for me in general and also specifically at Burning Man because there's just so much going on all the time. You can really go anywhere and do anything at any hour of the day. And um, I was just surprised, like really, really surprised this year by how in the moment I was and knowing that wherever I was was going to be the funnest thing or the right thing really at the right time. Um, I had a lot of synergistic moments where I went to go have a meeting with a friend and I ended up running. She, she was asleep in her trailer and missed it, but I ended up running into another friend who gave me an art tour, which was just phenomenal. And, um, I kept running into our neighbor, our camp neighbors, like everywhere we went, which was so fun. Yeah. It was just, it was an incredible, incredible experience. And then at, you know, at nighttime when my husband was going to keep going out and partying, I was just like, yeah, I need the bed. <laughs> this isn't an option for me. Um, this is a, this is non-negotiable. So it felt really, really good. And it also felt really good to um, practice saying yes 
and to be hosted. Like a lot of Burning Man is going visiting camps and visiting with friends. And um, anytime anyone greets you in their camp, they're usually, if it's, you know, if you're lucky and it's like a camp, they offer you a beverage, you know, they offer you a lovely seat in the shade and um, you just get to check in with them for a little bit. So it was a really wonderful practice in saying yes to a lot of things. Um, yes to cold beverages. Yes to the best seat in the house. Uh, yes to taking a load off. And yes, sometimes to an adventure if if I was in the right mood. So um, I feel like a lot of this pregnancy has been saying no. Um, and it felt really, really good to have a week of yes. It was just an incredible experience. It was very hot. It was a hot year. So I, I was extra careful about resting and taking it easy. And yeah, so there was a lot I didn't see. There was a lot I didn't do. It was definitely a, a different burn experience for me, but it was, it was truly spectacular. And I am so glad that I went. I know that a lot of pregnant women deal with a lot of judgment going to, to, to Playa. And I am just so so glad that I went. So incredibly glad. So that's my update for today. Short and sweet. I'm in my decompression mode now in case you can't hear it in my voice. <laughs> now I'm just um, kind of rolling off of that and getting ready for the birth, which is just in a couple weeks. Well, we'll see what it is. Who knows? I have no idea. Trying to be open to whenever it is. So very excited for today's episode. I hope you enjoy. I think we should just get, um, let's just get straight into it with Marky. Here we go. Marky, welcome to Let I Up. I'm so excited to have you here. Finally, we're here. We're here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here too. Yay. So I'd love to just kick it off by um, introducing yourself to our audience. Um, so my name is Marky. I own Suka by Marky. And just to give you a little background on Suka, that is a Sanskrit word that I learned when I did my yoga training in India. And what that means is happiness or ease as a state of being. Mm. And so instead of just this like fleeting, I mean, happiness anytime is great, right? But right. more as like a long lasting state. And so when I heard that, I was like, wow, that is beautiful. That is what I'm striving for. And so what I do is I use different modalities like astrology and yoga. Um, I dabble in angel cards, oracle cards, and I started hosting retreats. And my hope is that by using these things, I can help other people find that ease and that happiness as well. So Oh my God, I love that. What a beautiful name. That's so cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, you know, one of those names, just like my own name, where I'm like constantly having to like repeat it to people. But then I'm like, once you get it, <laughs> once you get it, I think people are like, oh, wow, okay, I understand like why and the concept behind it and like the vision behind what I'm doing. Love it. That's awesome. We're going to kick it off today with a little moon update for for our okay. listeners. So I'd love, I love for you to that. tell us what's going on right now when this podcast yeah. airs, of course. Yes. So when the podcast airs, well, the sun will be in Virgo. So it'll be in uh, Virgo season. 
and the moon will be in Aquarius. <laughs> yeah. So shout out to all the Virgo babies. It is either recently your birthday or almost your birthday. So happy birthday. And so with the moon in Aquarius and the sun in Virgo, this is kind of an interesting energy. So I know a lot of Virgos get a rep for being kind of like anxious and like wanting to have their to-do list put together and everything. So you could be feeling that, but specifically when the moon is in Aquarius, you are likely to be feeling a little more social. Um, Aquarian energy is very community-minded. It's the humanitarian of the Zodiac. It is future-thinking, technology-focused. But at the same time, they are community-focused, but they can sometimes be a loner and sometimes be an outsider. They're kind of like the weirdo rebels of the Zodiac. So you may be feeling like you want to make social plans. You may also be feeling like you're a little bit of a loner. So either sides of that spectrum are normal. Um, so just keep that in mind. At the same time that this is happening and this podcast is being released, you will also start to be feeling the energy of the full moon in Pisces. This is kind of a heavy full moon. If you have cancer or are notice you're very affected by the moon if you have cancer in your big three you might already be feeling this energy pisces is the last sign of the zodiac so it carries with it everything that's happened in the previous moon cycle and it can be kind of heavy i mean if you're crying right now when this podcast is airing or if you feel like you're a ball of tears that's totally normal a lot of heavy emotions usually come up but at the same time, on the lighter side of Pisces, it's very creative. Pisces, when you think of the fish, it's someone who is going with the flow. They are creative. They're into music. They're into mystical studies, deep conversations. So just know that that full moon is very potent. And it, if you're feeling very much up and down, that's very normal. The other thing, too, to think about with the full moon in Pisces is what seeds did you plant back in March? So I think the new moon in Pisces was March 2nd, 2022. And so what I love to do around full moons is think back to the new moon of that season. What were you thinking about? How were you feeling? What were you manifesting? What were you visualizing? Maybe it was a really hard time for you. That's also okay. Notice how what now that we're at the full moon, how this can be illuminated by the light of the full moon, how you can shed and start to release whatever you don't need after this cycle. Any themes related to Pisces. Another big one related to this is boundaries. Boundaries might be coming up for you a lot, whether people are pushing your boundaries, you're needing to set boundaries, or you're just kind of revamping your mindset around boundaries. That's another big theme as well. So um, of course, everyone has the same overarching kind of themes related to the Pisces moon. But depending on what house Pisces is in, in your chart, that is going to show you kind of where that energy shows up for you. So for you, Sarah, I know you're a sad rising. Um, so for you, Pisces is going to be in the fourth house, the house of home, the house of family, the mother archetype, it's cancer energy. So as you prepare to bring in baby, this is probably going to be heavily on your mind and can be bringing up a lot of emotions, a lot of preparation, a lot of like inner reflection for you. 
Um, so just note that if you are feeling very introspective, you know, that's totally normal. And at the same time, like it might be good to spend time near water. Any, any full moon in water, I love to like take a nice bath, take a long shower. If you're by the ocean, take a dip, like anything like that. Use water to cleanse yourself. And I think that always helps. Uh, maybe a meditation while you're in the shower or something like that. But of course, depending on your rising sign, that's where you can find and you can look up your birth chart of like where Pisces is in the chart. That's how you can see what part of your life is going to be affected. It's, it's actually kind of funny. Your sad rising, it's going to hit your fourth house, which is Cancer. It's hitting my ninth house, which is sad rising. So we're kind of having opposing energies <laughs> here. Yeah, so... For cancer rising, it's affecting things like my education, my spirituality, mm. um, maybe my desire to travel might come up. So it's totally going to be different for everyone, just kind of with this umbrella of overarching themes. It's a lot to take in. Full moons can always be a lot for people um, if you're kind of in tune with your body, in tune with the moon. But the good news is, is that by the weekend, after Pisces is Aries, and it's a lot lighter energy. The weekend will be full of that fire again, the feistiness, the planting seeds, new beginnings, new ideas, having energy back. So you can always know that when there's this heaviness <laughs> or a lot of water, a lot of emotions, it'll be followed by the Aries and you should be feeling a little bit better if you weren't during that time. So We're going to get some relief. I love that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank, thank God. I mean, you know, whoever created the cosmos, whatever you want to believe, really knew what they were doing by adding fire after water. Like we needed that. <laughs> Warm it up. <laughs> yes. Like, okay, we've been in our fields too much. Like let's get, let's get you going. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So just explain again what you just said about when you're setting intentions during the, the new moon in a season, then for the full moon in that full moon later in the year, that's when you want to check back on those. Tell us more about that. So when you are in a current zodiac season, right, you always have a new moon and a full moon. Sometimes there's double depending on how long the season is in the cycle. But if you are in Virgo season, for example, if there is a new moon during Virgo season, it's a new moon in Virgo. However, if it's a full moon during Virgo, it's the sign that's opposite. So yeah, this was groundbreaking for me to remember because the first time I started getting into astrology, I'm like, wait, full moon in Virgo, full moon, new moon in Pisces. Like, what are people talking about? Like, I always thought it was so from? random. I'm like, how, how yes. do we do this? <laughs> exactly. It's actually not random at all. And once you learn this, it's super easy to keep track. So new moons are always the same sign as the current sun season. Okay. Full moons are always the opposite. So what you can do is always reflect back six months prior to where you were. So full moon in Pisces, you're going to go back to Pisces season six months prior and think, what was I doing on that new moon? The easy way to remember it is new moon, same sign as the sun, full moon, opposite. And then you can always remember what kind of themes you should be looking at and where you should be thinking, even if it's a new moon, what you should be planning for six months ahead. Mm, I love that so much. That's huge. 
Yeah, it's very helpful to kind of keep track of the cycles in that way. And just, you know, you can start to notice themes in your life of like what's happening during this season. How do I feel during this season? How do I feel with this kind of moon? And then you can reflect back. And if you keep track or journal, it's helpful to kind of readjust and see how you need to change and, you know, maybe improve or make things better. So Mm -hmm. tweak, play around with it. I love that. That's so cool. Thank you for teaching us that. <laughs> yeah, of course. I know that was like it. That's an easy hack that I feel like will be helpful to a lot of people, whether you're a beginner or even have been studying astrology. So, so good. Yeah. The other one I got was like the, your rising sign is on the horizon from the, from when you were born at the time you were born. Yes. Like, yes. That, that was also mind blowing for me too. It's like all of these little things. It's like, okay, what sign was, you know, as the sun rose, like, what was actually on the horizon. And, you know, speaking of rising signs, it's the same thing as, you know, the sign that's on your, so that's called your ascendant. Same thing with your descendant. So it's going to be the opposite, right? So I am cancer rising. My descendant is Capricorn. So you can kind of like keep track of the birth chart that way. And ascendant qualities are going to be complementary to your descendant as well. That's something to keep in mind as well. Oh, that's interesting. Say more about that. What does that mean? There's a few different ways that you can look at this is the first way is that your ascendant and descendant are complementary in the sense that you want to work with both energies. So for me being a cancer rising, that's uh, the softer feminine, more nurturing side, focus on family and home. My descendant being Capricorn, that's the work. That's the more masculine archetype that's focused on pushing forward, persisting, work, 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 right? And so how can I merge those energies? And how can I, instead of always tapping into the Cancer, how can I tap into the Capricorn? So you just look at what sign is on your rising, and then you can try to find some complementary attributes in the descendant. Another way to look at it too, which is super interesting, and this is going kind of crazy into astrology a little bit, but you can Let's also go. look at your <laughs> you can also look at your ascendant as a way that you spend your mornings, right? So I am kind of just starting to explore this with clients and readings, but Think about what your rising sign is and think about how you like to spend your morning, right? Because it's the sign that was rising on the horizon. Think about how you spend your evenings. So personal example, I like to take my mornings really slow. I like to nurture myself. I like to do a little meditation. I like to journal. But my evenings, my descendant being in Capricorn, I never feel like I did enough work. Like I always feel like I have more to do. I can't shut off. It's very hard for me to turn down at night. And so I like to start to explore this. I don't know if you recognize Sag rising in your mornings at all, but I imagine that would be a little more fiery in the morning. Like how do you spend your mornings? I'm really, I'm. It, that's interesting. I'm, a, I'm trying to like, distill it like I am very slow in the mornings I love to sleep in my like morning routine is putting music on (laughs) and cuddling with my dog so I gotta have five minutes with my dog it's like it's a thing and then put some music on and then I'm like good to go but I'm kind of a bitch in the morning like I am like don't (laughs) 
don't fucking talk to me. Don't even look. Like, I, like, sometimes I would get mad if my husband, like, came in the room. I'd be like, I need to be alone. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to qualify or, like, say all Sagittarius can be <laughs> but I'm also not going to do that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm very selfish in the morning. So I'm I'm gonna have to check in with other sad risings and see what they say because you know, yeah, sad can be obviously kind of like blunt and mm-hmm. you know, no filter in the morning. So sure. maybe that's where that's showing up for you. <laughs> I could totally see that. And then nighttime, I'm like, it's interesting. I'm kind of a night owl. I used to be a night owl. I'm trying to I'm trying to really actively change that. So like doing a lot. I do a lot of deep self-work at nighttime before bed. Like sometimes I'll do like an hour of journaling, an hour of channeling, like tarot cards. Like it takes me a long time to settle down and like get to. Is it take you a while to quiet your mind? Like are you doing yeah. things to quiet your mind? Yeah, okay. for sure. And also kind of like just get it all out onto the piece, you know, onto the paper, whatever it is I'm doing. Then I can Put my head down. Okay, interesting because the descendant then would be Gemini. So I think Geminis are often really in their head, really focused on like talking and communicating and learning and reading and writing. And so if you're trying to shut that down, I can see how that would take you a while to kind of a wind while. down for sure at night. Yeah. yeah. But important and amazing that you recognize that and you have those practices to kind of. Yeah, now I love it. it. Now I'm like, yeah, can't wait to get in there. Like, oh, is it? Yeah, like nine. Let's go. (laughs) Okay, PJ's on. Like, time to relax. Yeah, do your little self care. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, Yeah. and given you have the Virgo energy too, I imagine you're like really good with that routine. So organized. (laughs) Jealous. I'm I I'm honestly jealous about that. Like if I could stick to a routine more, I would be um, much more productive. But <laughs> well, it's we'll because the, well, the things in the routine change, but the routine itself is the same, right? Like it's like start here and then end here. But the things that we're doing in between will like shift with the seasons, which I think is so great. I always like to say that because I feel like some people are so stuck on having like a specific routine and like having flexibility. I- so important. I'm all for like changing during the seasons. I mean, I am, I live by the moon. I live by the seasons. The moon is always changing. We can always give ourselves permission. That's why I love astrology. Like you can give yourself permission to constantly change. Mm. You can give yourself permission to, you know, when it's a new moon, it's more reflective. There's no light in the sky, right? When it's a full moon, you're illuminating everything you're thinking about. So like, and they have all the phases in between. Like we are never just one thing. And even with our own hormones for, you know, our bodies, it's it's always changing. So I love that like astrology, I don't know if the hormones represent astrology or astrology represents the hormones, but it's all so beautiful to be able to constantly give yourself permission to go with the flow. I love that. Okay. So talk more about the relationship between hormones and astrology. Okay, so this is something I'm newly tapping into and getting super excited about because the menstrual cycle is totally linked to the lunar cycle. And I'm not a doctor, just putting that out there. Um, And this is very new to me. But just as there's the four phases of the menstrual cycle, we have the four major phases of the moon, the new moon, 
the waxing, the full moon, and the waning. And so oftentimes what will happen is if a woman is getting her period, she is actually bleeding with the newer full moon. And it's totally in sync. And if you start to pay attention to this, I've started to pay attention to this in my own body. It's like groundbreaking watching the energy like this. And for people who don't have a menstrual cycle, you can still follow this cycle with the moon and you can still allow your body to be cyclical like this, even if you're not having a menstrual cycle, because, and, and for women who are, you know, in menopause and later in life, you can still use the moon as your guide for your energy levels. And when you're being more active, when you're being more passive, when you're giving your body rest and just to be able to see how life intersects like that. Oh my God. It just blows my mind. That's something that I've been like getting into and like looking into medical astrology lately, which is a whole nother subject that I'd love to dive into more. But yeah, it's a really cool intersection of the body and spirit. I love that. And I'm, I am same, same. So during this pregnancy, I've been tracking moon cycles to track the energy because I no longer have my own cycle that I became so accustomed to like completely centering my energy around like, you know, what season am I in? What cycle am I in? Like where, you know, and how is that relating to the moon? Like how, how do those intersect? Like if the, um, cause my cycle is totally irregular. So if the moon is waning and I'm on my luteal phase, like how can these two seasons play together and dance together? Like it's so fun. It really is fun. And I, what I, Love is that I think this is becoming a more normal conversation, right? Like people are talking about this more. And when I was a young girl, I wasn't learning about this. I didn't learn about the cycles and like how to manage my energy, you know, like it's just, and so to be, I think if people can start to learn this from a young age. Yeah. I mean, that's like groundbreaking. Totally. (laughs) Totally. To to know how to handle yourself and to give yourself that permission. I mean, that's huge. That could be huge for generations to come. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's crazy. It's so right. You're so right that we get a quarter in school. We learn like a quarter of the phases. Like there's yeah. <laughs> so many more. Well, maybe yeah. maybe fifty percent if if it's you know woke and we're learning about ovulation. Like yeah, maybe 50%. yeah, maybe. <laughs> so but like, it's like, but that's it. It's like okay, it's like, here you go. Here's a little PDF to like know what's yeah. happening, and like that's it. And could you imagine? I mean, this is my dream, right? Could you imagine if there was like an astrologer that came into schools and was oh like, my god, okay. <laughs> Let's talk right? about moon like, cycles. <laughs> let's talk about moon cycles. Let's talk about what your your Saturn cycles, like what, like here's what's coming. Like this would be like, uh, I mean, that's why I'm just so passionate about this because I just feel like it could help so many people and especially like young children. And as they grow into adults, like just to know that life is cyclical and you're going to go through changes and phases and that's okay. And it's acceptable and it's normal. And like, Everyone does. I love that. Normalize the change. That's so huge. Okay, so you read charts for kids. Like, I'd love to hear more about how, like, what are they learning and what are, what do you think that they take away from it and, and bring to their daily life? Like, so cool. Yeah. So adding on a little bit to what I was saying, like, for me, if 
we gave ourselves or learned about our charts from a young age or our parents did or our guardians, that would just open up our world and our society to so much healing and growth. I mean, could you imagine if when you were a child and you were acting out or you wanted to express yourself in a certain way, like for me, for example, I was an emotional kid. I was a crier. You know, my family wasn't super emotional like that. But maybe if my parents, they were super in tune, like maybe if they knew that I just needed to express myself with a good cry and then I'd feel better, like it would have relieved a lot of pressure from me and it would have made them understand like, oh, I'm not, maybe I'm not doing anything wrong. That's just what she needs, you know? And so- and, and teachers too, right? For kids in school. I mean, they're even, when I started learning astrology, I don't know if this was actually came to fruition, but people were talking about how they were thinking about doing studies and they started looking into, you know, kids that had ADHD or ADD. Like maybe those kids had so much fire in their chart and they just needed to learn how to express their fire in a healthy way and balance it out with more water and more air and more earth you know just even the elements alone would be huge to give as tools for kids and so what i do oftentimes i usually in the past read for parents up until the kids would get to a certain age right so i usually say that you know when you start really seeing a personality come out like maybe you know for some kids and that's obviously earlier than others but I would say maybe like four or five would be a great age to get like a reading for a child because that's when they're starting school they're starting kindergarten and then they can you know you can learn about their moon sign it's the same as an adult reading but you're just catering it to the potential instead of the past so in an adult reading, I'm focusing a little more on like previous experiences and like how that's incorporating into their life. But for a children's reading, I'm talking about like, how can you notice the high road of this sign? How can you be aware of the signs of the low road? How can you help them reach their fullest potential and start to see like, what is really prominent in their chart and how can I help cultivate that in the healthiest way possible? So it's all the same things as adults, sun sign, what's their essence? What's their emotional temperament with the moon sign? What is their mercury sign? How do they like to communicate, right? Venus sign, how do they want to be loved? How do these kids want to be loved? It's different for all of us. And it goes through all of the planets. And so when I do readings for parents for children, I'm just like lit up because I can see these light bulbs going off in these parents' heads like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. And it's super fun too, to see the differences between the kids, right? Because obviously you have siblings, they're going to have the same, you know, if they have the same parents, they have similar values likely, but you know that they're going to be completely different souls and have different personalities. So it's really cool to see kind of like the energy between the siblings too. Oh, that's fun. Oh, that's so, and, and you're seeing them so young that I imagine it's like, you're still seeing them before the programming has really solidified. Yes. 
Exactly. So it's kind of like you're getting in there at a crucial time. And, you know, I say like, you know, obviously once a kid gets to maybe like preteen age, they might want to be involved in the reading and they might want to hear it for themselves. And maybe they do it with their parent. Maybe they do it, with, you know, on their own. But you're getting to get this like really personal, beautiful peek into their life before society tells them who they should be, which I just think is amazing. I love that. That's so huge. <laughs> I just had a an astrologer on a couple weeks ago that was like obsessed with the Gen Z generation. And she's like, I didn't find out about astrology until college. And like, it's taken me this long to learn about it. Gen Zers, they're like literally born out of the womb knowing their chart. <laughs> funny is that it's so true though I mean which I love like as we're in the Aquarian age it's just like oh my god give us more of this like I cannot wait like I'm gonna be completely outdated in saying this hopefully in like 30 years like these kids are just gonna know everything about their houses and their big three and it's gonna be like you know common practice instead of just like what you know, when we were growing up and it's like, um, you're reading your sun sign in Cosmopolitan magazine yep. and, you know, you're hoping to find the love of your life, like, yes. <laughs> which like, is so ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. Didn't know what rising was. Like, there was just no. not a full picture. It, it just wasn't applicable. At, I mean, it was, <laughs> but it wasn't. And it's funny because that is also still somehow what hooked me. Um, but yeah, like once I learned the depth of where astrology went like I remember the first time someone asked me like what's your moon sign and I was like what there's more. what do you mean my moon sign like I was like I I considered myself up until that point like a lover of astrology and I was like holy shit I didn't know what my moon sign was and that just like opened the floodgates and I was like oh wow okay like this is like like I you know you could just understand so much about people when you know those things so much oh my god I love that yeah that's crazy um okay so I want to ask you some kind of attachment style specific questions so this show is really like it's healing and personal growth for um recovering attachment types and there's certain like trends and patterns that insecure attachment types have to deal with are you into attachment style I we didn't even I didn't even ask you about a little bit like I know a very basic level. Love it, great. You, but I'm you, open. Like hit you me. do not need to be. A, you do not need to be an expert at all. I will feed this to you, okay. and then you you share the astrology with us. So I'm really curious if there is a place in our chart where we can like look towards or start to heal boundaries because boundaries really comes up for all attachment types. Anxious preoccupieds don't love setting boundaries. They want to like prioritize their relationships over boundary setting, dismissive avoidance. They don't like the um, the friction that can come up with setting boundaries. And then fearful avoidance are typically boundaryless until someone crosses them and then they're like, I'm going to set a huge boundary. So it's more reactive instead of like a healthy proactive boundary. So I'm just curious if like, is there some a house that we can look towards or a planet that really um, can help guide us like when dealing with boundaries? Yeah. So as you were explaining all of those, I, my mind is like firing and like different signs and like people that I know that act in that way. And I think that you could probably find those styles in an array of signs, right? Depending on your chart. What I do think is interesting, and I would 
love to look into this more though is something in your chart called Chiron. And that, while it might not always have to do specifically with boundaries, it is a wound in your life. So if you're unfamiliar with what Chiron is, it's called the wounded healer. And what I find is that that wound is usually present, sometimes more subconscious than conscious. But that's an area where it could definitely be related to boundaries. So depending on what house that is in your chart, you can find that. Um, you might find you, I, I'm just thinking of my own, for example, like I, mine is in my second house and that's related to money and resources. And I think that I've definitely had issues and things come up in my life related to setting boundaries. And it, it for me, it's more of like boundaries of like, am I going to let this affect my life and my emotions and my mental state so much? And I didn't have boundaries and things set in stone to protect that until I recently learned about my Chiron. So I think that that's something that could be a way to kind of bring awareness to that. And I wonder how often that intersects with the different attachment styles. I am so curious. Okay, so my Chiron is in Gemini, which is in my second house. Wait, okay, is that right? So, is that, no, it's seventh, sorry. So seventh house would be related to relationships. That could be work, romantic, family, any kind of relationships with people. If you no, notice no. that there's boundaries, <laughs> boundary issues in that area, then no. yeah, I could say that that could definitely be, it's almost like comical, right? When you learn this, yeah. cause you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Call yeah, me You out. read me. We just mad, but like you get me is the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And especially in Gemini, that's going to be related boundaries related to communicating with other people and in, in these relationships, Gemini is a sign of communication, right? So that's probably going to be prominent for you and may affect like the kind of attachment style that you have. So a hundred percent. Yeah. I grew up in a very codependent family, so I'm like not at all surprised by this placement. Yeah. And so I'm curious earlier, you were talking a little bit about using the opposite sign to mm -hmm. kind of like pull characteristics to help heal something that's going on in, in a house that might be yeah. like, you know, really triggered right now. It, would this be an area where you could look towards the, like the opposite sign to pull some traits mm -hmm. out to kind of help you through that? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And obviously it depends and depending on the aspects in your chart, things, certain things are going to be easier to tap into than others. But in general, I would say, yes, why not? Because if you are super heavy in a certain type of energy, it's naturally going to be hard for you to embody the other type, right? So Another example is the Virgo and the Pisces energy, right? Pisces is flowy and mystical and Virgo is analytical and has their to-do list, right? So if you are heavy in Virgo, it might be hard for you to embody that Piscean energy. And so if you're feeling unbalanced or you feel like you that energy is so foreign to you, then yeah, I do. I challenge someone 
to try and practice to embody the sign that's opposite to help kind of bring that back in line because they are complementary in a way, every sign that opposes each other. I love that. I love that because it gives you something. It's almost like an archetype to like think of as like a way to reach forward. Um, and yeah. sometimes I feel yeah. like the just hearing these traits can really help us. It's like for those of us that grew up in insecure households, it's sometimes hard to even imagine what a secure household looks like. Like what does right. that look like to just fully, you know, give and be in this interdependent relationship or um, what does it look like to be in a relationship where like you feel like you're giving and taking in an equal amount and there's no um, kind of wounds around that. So I feel like oftentimes the, um, what I hear from many, many coaches is like the best way or the fastest way to get to secure is, which I don't think should be a goal, but you know, this is in some people's minds, super important is to be in a relationship with a secure person. So hearing the like archetype of the opposite side, I feel like can kind of enact in that same way yes. of like, here's how you can, you know, here's some guidelines or here's some suggestions on, right. on how to- and- the, the thing is, is that not everyone might have the opportunity to find someone that is secure to help embody that, right? But if you can at least have the awareness of the opposite, like if you're not aware of something, how can you, how can you even imagine that it's right. possible? Right. Right. See but if you can, exactly. So if you can at least know the qualities to look out for, the qualities that you should try, even if it feels completely weird and awkward, then I think that that could really, really help people. You know, it's the same thing when you're looking in your chart with your North node and your South node. So your North node, some people call it like the shortcut to enlightenment, right? It's an area of your chart where it's not necessary, like, whereas your rising sign is something that you are inevitably going to embody, your north node is not always the case. Like, you might embody it, but you might not. But if you do, that's why they call it the shortcut to enlightenment. But the south node, the opposite node, is the opposite sign, right? So it's the same thing of, like, finding the balance in between the two and learning how to merge those energies into something that feels really like good and powerful and balanced for you. So for example, like a Cancer and Capricorn, North Node, South Node, like how can you learn to balance work with home? And maybe you create a work life that really values the family and like, or a home life that like gives people permission to work in a really healthy way. And like, how do you merge those energies in a way that feels good for you? You know? Oh, I love that so much. Maybe because I need to balance my work, my work family life. <laughs> yeah, it's hard though. It's really hard and it takes constant practice and I don't think it's ever done. Like you're never done. You're always learning more, like more lessons about it. But once you can finally kind of like at least again, comes back to the awareness, that's what's helpful. Oh, so good. I, this is fascinating. <laughs> I've just, I feel like there's the astrology goes so deep, so wide, so vast. It does. Oh my God. I could honestly, like I've been studying what feels like so much, right? But it's like, I am feeling like I'm just scratching the surface. I mean, there are, you could go and there's so many different types of astrology, right? 
right now my main focus is birth charts. I love chatting with people like this. I love having conversations, getting to know people's future and past, but people get into electional astrology and astrology of like worldly events and predictive astrology. Like it's just, I mean, you could go so deep with this. It's crazy. So deep. Yeah. So deep. That's so cool. Well, I would love to hear anything that you'd like to share with listeners that are on their own healing journey. Any Anything you want to share with them? Something that has been coming up for me a lot lately on my own healing journey is accountability. I feel like we... I've been kind of giving myself a little bit of tough love. I feel like generally as a collective, we've been kind of um, really focused on caring for ourselves and loving for ourselves and being really soft and comforting, which is all necessary and all beautiful. And I don't want to take away from that. But I think that we can sometimes get lost in doing that and not taking accountability for where we are and not taking action for how we're feeling and how we're going to heal. I know for me, you know, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, actually only, I was super depressed. And one day, thank God, one day I just woke up and I was like, okay, I need to like take charge. I mean, nobody else is going to do this work for me. Nobody else is going to journal. Nobody else is going to take my ass to yoga class or on a mental health hot girl walk, right? Like <laughs> totally. nobody else is going to do this. Like I need to do this for myself. And like when you take, I think, radical accountability for your own actions and how you're feeling, that's where you start to see changes. And that's where you can really start to kind of believe in yourself again and start to trust yourself and start to, you know, when you're making these promises to yourself and you're holding yourself accountable, that's when you're going to start to see results on your healing journey. So for me, I'm all about accountability lately. Mm. I love that. No one's going to say that. No one's going to take you on that walk. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody is, right? Nobody's just going to be like, hey, you know, I mean, you might have friends that are supportive of of course, you know, and say, hey, you should probably do this. You should probably do this. But it's not until you decide for yourself that you need it that you're like, okay, yeah. And then once you do it yourself, think about it. The times in your life that you're feeling crappy and someone else is trying to force you, you're just like, ugh, I don't want to do this. You know? But the times you do it for yourself, it's like, boom, groundbreaking. Feels so much better. Yeah. Yeah. So So go take yourself on that walk. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love that. But also like – but you have to be the one to say, like, you're going to go. Yes. Like, at my work, you know, I, I have to be the one that's like, I can't do this anymore. I need to want to, like, I have to be the one that yes. takes, leaves early, works you from do. home, you know, like those things. And I that's where leave. those boundaries come in. That's exactly. where the energy of the moon comes in, exactly. honoring your cycles. Yeah. I mean, it's all interconnected, you know, but just like honoring yourself honoring where you're at, giving yourself grace, and then being like, okay, get up. Let's do this. Like, come on. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, How can listeners follow along with what you're up to? They can follow at Suka by Marky on Instagram. That's also my website, Suka by Marky. I'll spell it S-U-K-H-A by Marky, M-A-R-K-I-E. And 
follow me there, connect with me. I'd love to chat with everyone. If anyone has questions, they can always send me a message. Amazing. I highly recommend it. You're, this was so fun. I had a blast. This was, I wouldn't expect anything less from two Mercury and Leos. So <laughs> thank I was you so hoping much. hoping you were going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> I called it. I was like, you can't have two fire signs or two Mercury and fire signs and like not have a good time. So oh no, this is a blast. <laughs> okay. Listeners straight up. I messaged her to be on the podcast and she was like, is your Mercury and Leo? And you call, I was like, I don't even know what that means. I no one's ever talked to me about that. <laughs> oh my god I I, ha- I like knew it I, I have like a sixth sense for that I, I was like that. oh girl we're totally gonna vibe because that is my mercury sign and here we are having a great here time so I know it's so fun thank you so much for being here Marky this has been amazing thank you thank you That's it for today's episode. Oh my gosh. I just want to send a huge, huge, huge thanks to Marky. What an incredible guest, an incredible conversation. I hope you enjoyed. I also want to just say, if you feel inspired to leave a review for the podcast, I'd really appreciate it. That helps us to get more listeners, to share this free, amazing content, particularly about attachment styles. And it also helps us to get new guests and um, sponsors of the show. So it's, it's just an amazing thing. So please, if you're feeling inspired, go ahead and leave a review. And um, if you're feeling like extra inspired, send this episode to a friend. Maybe they're into astrology or attachment style, or they're interested in both. Uh, send this along. I'm sure that they would appreciate it. I love it when I am recommending a podcast by friends. It's always the best, best way to find out new information. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you back here next week.